Hey, you know I can't count that high. You got to keep it to like under 20. I've only got so many fingers and toes, all right? You have fingers and toes? I thought they got rid of those. I mean, you know, they, they were amputated and reattached a few times. You know, spare parts, dead GIs. You know how that works. But uh, for the first time ever on the Halloween episode of season one, we are live. So people are actually like talking to us or something. I don't know. We've never done this before. So, you know, for all I know, nobody watches, but either way it gets uploaded. So we're going to roll with it. So I think you also told everybody that it would start at five. I don't know how to do this. It just said we could do it. We could go early, but not late. So I gave us some wiggle room and time zones are hard. Okay. Yes, time zones are hard. involve math. Yep. And then we had to do our little experiment to figure out like what time is because I thought UK was plus five, but now it's plus four because their daylight savings is in our daylight savings. It's just weird. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. I mean, just, so what I, I need mean, you to admittedly, do, Bevin, you would think that everybody would do it at the same time, but no. Bevin, what no, we need you to do is petition the queen to get on our schedule because that's just how we do things. Oh yeah, I'm sure she's keen for that. <laughs> Send her a strongly worded letter. It'll go perfectly okay. <laughs> What could possibly go wrong, Doc? She could maybe read it to Boris, you know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That would help. That would help him out anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see what happens. All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we're going to dive inaugural live episode and we probably won't do many of these because scheduling is a thing and time zones are real but uh now that we know it works because we've got one person watching which is probably just doc uh <laughs> we, we have one person watching so we're gonna take it uh i bet even my mom didn't bother she's like yeah whatever that's because um, your mom doesn't like you she likes me much better which is fine because i think my mom so likes should I should have told her you were going to be there, and then maybe she'd have watched. So that's the ticket. Okay. All right. So uh, we've got a new guest for you today, Mr. Bevan Clatworthy. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Uh, yeah. Hi. My name's Bevan Clatworthy, uh, all the way over in very drizzly England at the moment. Um, I'm a uh, microbiologist by day and a board game designer by night or evenings or weekends, whenever I can get a bit of free time. Um, and I'm only here because my wife said I had to be on... <laughs> Well, funny enough, the next part of the that's introduction is life. that that's uh that's how we first met him. So we were we were supposed to tell you, dear listener, how we first found them. And we met him through his lovely wife, Miss Gemma, uh, of the London Clatworthies, because all of England is London. Uh North London, South London, South, South London, it's all London. London so, yep. <laughs> so did you two go to college in Wales? I did, yeah. Um we in fact I was there the year prior to when Gemma turned up. Um and I don't know if she told you how we met. Um, no she didn't she didn't tell no. us. it's a good story uh so <laughs> my friends badgered me into joining a uh, medieval reenactment society um okay. and these were the guys that were like putting on big you know big plates of steel and in each other with like uh, blunted swords and things like that um and they finally persuaded me to join and then when Gemma turned up the next year she joined as well um and it became and first, much more enjoyable right it, it was much more fun yeah because i at the time i had this massive like blue mohawk thing that went all the way down to the back and i put <laughs> on this um, chain moil, chain mail coif thing and the whole thing just went <laughs> completely flat and apparently that was her first memory of me so <laughs> well that's that's a good way to do it so did you ever did you ever challenge her to mortal Kombat? uh i wouldn't dare 
<laughs> I've seen her sword. It's like a bread knife. It's it's evil looking. <laughs> so is the uh, is the deadly roundabout of horror as bad as she says it is? Oh, what the um, the magic roundabout? Yeah, is it as bad as she says it is? It's pretty tricky. Yeah, I mean, like the first time you just have to shut your eyes and go straight across. Um, but <laughs> I believe it. So in Ohio, I think it is. There's this um, there's this bridge that's like lower than normal, and they have all kinds of signs warning. And every time a truck goes through it, it still ends up slamming into it. So I imagine like that's your equivalent over in the United Kingdom, as you just got the roundabout of death, and everyone just crashes. See, I I was in Savannah, and in Savannah, you can't go through the roundabout. You have to go around it because they put squares and the roundabouts with statues and things like that. <laughs> Frowned upon, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I've seen a few Dukes of Hazard style jumps over fountains when people didn't know how to do a roundabout. And luckily, <laughs> someone was yeah, there with a camera well, to catch you know. it on. Yep. It ended badly. I'm just going to say that. There's a reason why you can w- open carry drinks in downtown Savannah. <laughs> just saying. Maybe that helps the driving get better. I don't know. I think it helps the pedestrians deal with the nerves. That that's probably true. I've been to Savannah when they uh, dyed the river green for St. Patty's Day. That was fun. Wow! How did how <laughs> food coloring? Lots of it. Wow. Um, or maybe biology. You're nothing a that, as a us. chemist, I want to think about being in my water supply. Well, it's I mean, funny you I'm say sure that. We. Okay. We um we got uh, for Halloween one of the treats we got was uh, they call them bogey drops. So it's like. So it's like it's a chocolate button, uh, but inside is like a green, um, like green salted caramel goo kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I only just found out it was it's got like um, a bacteria of cyanobacteria, which is like greeny, bluey kind of bacteria. Okay. They've basically like extracted the um, the color out of that and put it into this salt caramel. So maybe they filled the entire river with you know bacteria, which makes it sound even worse. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think that's awesome, though. But yeah, I mean. For anybody with a science background, ooh, bacteria in the river. Yeah, just chuck them in. It'd be fine. You know. You know. I mean, I've eaten worse at the mess hall, I'm sure. That's kind of how JR does his decision-making about food. Oh, we'll see how it works. Yeah. Maybe I'll get food poisoning. That's his secret to losing weight. He started cooking for himself. I mean, toilet paper they're, in the fridge. You're not wrong. Nice. You're not wrong. <laughs> so uh, we've got Nathan Petty, our resident um, Cali- oh, no, Canadian. He likes the maple syrup, eh? He says, bah humbug to all our holiday talk. But I, I don't know if they're allowed to celebrate um, Halloween up there. different yeah. holiday. You well, he's in Canada, so Halloween. they have like weird holidays. So it's possible that Halloween conflicts with the great maple holiday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, maple is like sacred over there. They, they like amazing. their syrup. It is amazing. I mean, it is amazing. But Vermont maple is superior, I'm told. All right, now we're going to get the hate mail. So you can send all hate mail to Seska at blastersandblazepodcast at gmail.com. But, Doc, we have to decide if he's staying. He's so staying. You can go. Uh, but we do Is have Is it just to... because he likes science? Yes. Look, I told you hand wavium solves all things. Just invert the dilithium crystals and it's all good. You know, cross-check your polarity. Stuff fixes itself. Is it 66 miles an hour, I think? That yeah, yeah, and 66. <laughs> what was it? 80? I don't know. We'll have to see what the DeLorean's up to these days. So, religion question. Aliens, Resident Evil, or Doom? Well, do you know, that's a tricky question because I used to, I loved all of the, the, the movies themselves. Like, I really did enjoy the first Resident Evil movie as well. Um, if I had to go on, it would be Resident Evil because I remember as a, mm-hmm. as a kid playing Resident Evil 2, I think it was, where you could like play as Leon and then you could play as... 
Claire, I think it was. And it was just a transformative experience for me, like gaming. I was 88. Oh, thank you, Nathan. <laughs> Whew, someone knows what they're talking about. Um, yeah, no, I loved it. It was just fantastic. Like the controls were super janky and like all the little death scenes were like, oh, you know, you could see like square pixels of blood going around. So it, it wasn't particularly like scary looking, but I remember being terrified and it, it brilliant, absolutely brilliant game. So yeah, I think I'd go with Resident Evil on that so, one. So speaking of terrifying games that didn't uh, age well with pixelation, did you ever try Wolfenstein where the bodies just magically faded? No. In the early versions? <laughs> like once you killed them? Yeah, they just, they faded no, away. They just it. went to the afterlife. <laughs> or wherever dead Nazis went. I don't know. Oh, amazing. <laughs> That's probably to save like uh, processor power or something, wasn't it? <laughs> probably. Although it was convenient if it was there. He revokes my geek card for not knowing. If it if you let the body stay, then you could tell where you've been in the in the in the map. You come, oh, there's bodies. I've been here. Just set them up with like little fingers pointing. Go that way. Go that way. Just, right. Well, see, I got lost so many times. I like the, the early Diablo where they did that, in, but then they left the loot that was on the body. So if you hadn't looted the bodies, it was there. <laughs> oh, what a little that's bag. One, that's one like... trick. <laughs> But is it yeah. half the fun looting? Well, sometimes you're just busy killing things. I was an angry teenager. Leave me alone. You were a murder hobo, weren't you? Yeah, maybe a lot. Maybe a lot. <laughs> this is why we like you, Doc. All right, ask so, for the next one. But now for our fantasy selection. Hocus Pocus, Dracula, or Sleepy Hollow? Oh, this, this one was quite easy, actually. Uh, Hocus Pocus, for sure. Um, again, it goes back to sort of childhood. It was the perfect kind of like family film. Um, it kind of like it had the little in-jokes for adults that you can go, oh, yeah, mm, a bit rude. And then you had like the kid stuff with the, the cat and everything, which was super cute. Uh, plus it had a zombie in it. So you know, I make immediately my child partial. Watch it. Yeah? I make it every <laughs> it's a Halloween tradition. He doesn't have an option. He's like, no, <laughs> no, it's scary. And I'm like, no, it's not. Watch it. Oh, it. It's just so good. Like the witches as well. Um, oh, what's her name? Not Barbara Streisand. Who's who's the lead? Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Fantastic. And Sarah Jessica Parker. Parker yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, the one that rides a I love it. vacuum cleaner. I think it was. They were just brilliant. Yeah. So, Superb film. I love it. I, I, I looked at Sleepy Hollow and I'm like, I'm not sure how familiar and he would be. It's very much an American story oh no i do i love sleep i remember the the um ichabod crane and uh oh gosh it was a disney cartoon was the first one i saw and then yeah. i watched the johnny depp one as well no i love it oh just just the idea of like this horse headless horseman with this massive like pumpkin head yeah well oh. but i mean there's a lot of iconic american history involved with it and sometimes those don't always tra translate as well oh no i'm sure there's there's a lot i'm probably missing but i, I love the the aesthetic of it i think that's that's quite cool i think I mean, that is a good that is a good family-friendly movie if you've got young kids and you don't like them. I'm just saying, they'll be sleeping under their bed for a little bit. Sleep they'll, 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 they'll be under their bed hiding from you for days. I mean, you could get a little bit of peace and quiet. Oh, yeah, just turn up like that. Just, yeah, just follow me for more parenting advice. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. I'm just writing that one down. Hold on, let me just... Uh... There we are. Traumatize children. Peace and quiet. There we go. When the bobbies pop over and ask what the heck you were doing, you'd be like, oh, that JR guy in America. He said it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> JR said it was fine. He knows the queen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're so I don't think Nathan later. is amused. Okay. <laughs> so that was JR's attempt at focusing on Halloween. But he probably, he definitely messed it up. But do you have a favorite horror movie? Can I cheat and do three? Yes. Yeah. 
that, okay, cool. Because Sorry. They right. are messed up his move is like No, no, because the motto is always and has always been if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Like, like me it. that one. Cool. <laughs> don't tell Gemma that. <laughs> oh, not at all. Well, as uh, long anyway, as you don't um, get caught, because if you get caught, you're not doing it right. JR, just stop while you're not ahead. She she might be listening. Um but Gemma already <laughs> doesn't like me because I, I made jokes about her scones. Scones, scones. Scones, 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 scones. Yeah, we've scones. had a little bit of an Instagram thing going back and forth in the comments. And then I suggested she drink her tea sweet and iced. And I think she's disowned me. <laughs> she said something about the secret hit squads, and I don't know. Oh yeah, the double O's. Yeah. Why Did is there know? a helicopter outside my window? Yeah. <laughs> I was probably fine. <laughs> All um, right, what are your three favorite ho- horror movies? Okay, so I, I went for a, uh, one from my childhood, which was uh, Event Horizon. I say childhood. I was a bit older than like four or something. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Event Horizon. Just um, I just re- I always hark back to that scene where they watch the video of where Event Horizon, where the ship had actually gone, the, Nos- the Nostromos or something. I think mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called now, uh, where it goes off and does its thing. And then it comes back and it's empty. And then they watch the video of what happened to the crew. And I always re- remember that with like, he's holding out the eyeballs like that. Going, Just amazing. Such a visceral scene. And then like the rest, oh, terrifying. Really, really cool. Um, and then later on, I went through like a, a kick where I was sort of watching all the classic horror movies like Bram Stoker's Dracula and all that kind of thing. Um, and then I got to The Shining with uh, Jack Nicholson because I'd never seen it. Absolutely loved it. The atmosphere was so good. Like the the lady in the bathtub when she gets up and it's like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, that was, loved it. That was such a, I don't know, the, the acting was just so on point in it that I was actually, you know, a little bit kind of like, like terrified myself. Um and then I think the last one for me was uh, Paranormal Activity, yeah. the the first one, because it's the only uh, horror film I've ever watched with a group of people. And I was genuinely, you know, a bit scared, <laughs> like actually on the edge of my seat kind of thing. Um, just the, the scene where her leg gets grabbed and she gets pulled out of the bed and it's like, no, I've got to I've got to keep watching just to find out what happens. But yeah, the, the, those three films, they're like the trifecta of amazing i will admit <laughs> after watching paranormal activity i really made sure my feet were in bed that night so <laughs> yeah. did you watch the remake that they did of um the shining where they go back to the hotel after the i think it takes like the kid's point of view and he goes back years later no i read the the book when the of when the kid grew up um, yeah there's a movie about it there's a movie that, oh oh gosh what's the oh, what's the book called it's not strange or something or I, do. I don't Dr. remember. Sleep. I just remember seeing the commercial for it. Yeah, I think I think it's called Doctor Sleep or something Sleep. Um, yeah, no, really, the the book's really good. I've not seen the film though. Would Would you recommend it? Uh, the commercial looked intense. I don't normally watch <laughs> horror, but the 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 commercial definitely looked intense. Oh, so. cool! I might have to check that out then. Um, yeah, no, it just I'm a big Stephen King fan anyway. So uh, the fact that they did a a good um, a good film in The Shining. And then, like, because some of the others they did as well was uh, it was a recent one that was pretty good. I quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah, there was uh, my brother was in at the University of Charleston when there was a guy who uh, went a little bit nutty and was dressing up in it costumes and like showing up places. Yeah, <laughs> it scared a lot of people though. Uh, which it was it though? Was it the the new one or the um? I think oh, it was, was the name? new one. The new one. Oh, hello, Georgie. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, I know. My brother can tell you more about it. Like, um, but particularly when it's foggy and stuff, it was particularly up. 
I, I enjoy it when people play tricks on communities like that. We had a guy that took his Great Dane and somehow did the hair so people thought it was a lion. And then he let it oh, walk my... around the neighborhoods and people were like calling, <laughs> thinking a zoo animal had gotten out. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just so I, I, I enjoy that kind of sense of humor. I'm not allowed to do that anymore because people take me seriously. Fair. And, you know, it's all funny games until the cops start shooting things and, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember watching one of those prank videos where someone was, um, he was chasing down people as uh, a zombie. He dressed up as a yeah. zombie and he had someone else filming it. And some of the people were like, it's just a guy in a costume. And he, he, as he got to them, they kind of had to stop and that kind of thing. But a few of them genuinely were terrified and started running. Um, and I just remember in one of the videos, one of the people pulled a gun um, and they got... <laughs> They got hold of him. He, he ran anyway. He pulled the gun and they started running. <laughs> um, and apparently they spoke to him afterwards and he just said, yeah, I pulled the gun. But then I thought, hold it. You can't kill them. They're zombies. <laughs> like, yeah, so My favorite is so, the ones who like to dress up like Sasquatch and scale hunters. And once it oh. ended exactly like you thought it would, a hunter shot him. And oh. it turned out it's just a dude in a monkey suit. And I'm like, oh, wow, man. that could have gone a little better. And that's happened a couple times out in Washington State where that, the other time he scared a girl and she ran over him with his truck a few times. Or with her truck, I should say. Yeah. I'm like, someone, someone didn't plan that out properly. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> We're going dark because it's Halloween. We do that. Sometimes you need safe words, apparently, more than others. Apparently that that was the, one of those situations, but uh, let's get us back on track, Doc. Ask the next question. So, uh, what is Halloween like in the UK? Because I mean, we've talked about trick or treating online because we were trying to schedule this, and I'm like, no, 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 I have to go and I have to I have to take my kid around and load him up on sugar. So and steal the good stuff. That's like essential parenting for Halloween. You steal the good stuff. Uh, we're giving out full size candy bars this year, so yes. Ooh. Lucky. That's a rich people, <laughs> rich people neighborhood. We don't have a lot of kids in my neighborhood, and I didn't want to have it. I have candy for months normally if I buy like the big party size thing, oh, the you tiny say that one. Yeah. Like it's a bad thing. Well, they, for us, it was because we've just found three bags of Haribo that are like two years out of date. <laughs> so we just went, oops. See, I don't want to be that. <laughs> yeah, you could just give it out anyway, be like, they'll, they'll never notice. When I went back to college. <laughs> It was easy, and I just took it and I fed it to all the co-eds and students. Now I'm an adult, and I don't have college co-eds near me. Yeah, I haven't got the metabolism anymore. Like I just sit there going for about twenty minutes, then fall asleep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this is anyway, not that kind yeah. of show, Nathan. Moving on. <laughs> so amazing. So, what was the question? <laughs> well, our question was, "What is how, like?" Is it a big holiday in Halloween over there for you guys? Mm, it's getting bigger. Um, we're definitely seeing sort of more and more bits and pieces in the the shops now, but it's still it's still very much seen by a lot of um, a lot of folks as either like a form of begging or um, quite a childish kind of holiday. Um, there's there is more and more sort of adults trying to take it on as well, like doing like Halloween parties or like you know late night horror watching that kind of thing. Um, but no, it's not. It's not massive. Um, you see quite a few pumpkins, that kind of thing. I was trying to think. the The scariest house we saw, we actually we were trying to drive somewhere else. We got lost, and we just happened to see it. But it had like um, inflatable stuff outside, and uh, someone had wrapped Ooh. a load of um, uh, mannequins up with like tape to make it look like they were hanging a dead body upside down. That oh kind of thing, like three or four of those. So they really went for it, and that's you know that's the kind of stuff I love love seeing. But it's it's not. No, it's it's very much considered a 
a kids thing or like a you know not not for adults to be <laughs> to, oh, to participating see, in we, us and our very grown-upness we uh, like embrace it and yeah we do too <laughs> completely because it's so much fun so yeah. um, well the fact, other part of that was the uh the treats or tricks that people would play because you know trick or treat where you know like leaving stuff to scare people ringing the door and running it used to be back in olden times you would tp people's houses but now the toilet paper is worth its weight in gold yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, you're not doing that anymore <laughs> such decadence no. no i don't know what the the, the new thing would be um sellotape i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um no so yeah to answer your question it's not that big a holiday for us as a, as a family we love it i mean we went out this this evening uh my wife wore a, a skeleton costume i wore my um uh, well actually i'm still wearing some of it i went dressed as like a, a stuffy doll so i've got like oh, a mask cool. and everything that sort of um cool. makes you look like a oh what do you call them like a stitch punk doll yeah like a teddy bear but like stitched together with like creepy eyes and all that sort of thing mm. um we took the kids uh and instead of uh because of like covid restrictions and everything we didn't want to risk um from from a personal perspective we didn't want to go up to families houses but equally we don't want to bother them yeah. and like you know get too close to them as well because um covid anxiety is a big a big deal uh at the moment um so yeah, what we did was basically the kids would run up, spot the house and go, I've seen one. And Gemma would then give them like a chocolate out of her little basket of chocolate. So it was kind of like the trick-or-treating experience, but um, yeah, that's a bit awesome. more socially distanced. Uh, Nathan is clearly oh. family friendly. Toss firecrackers into the teenagers' bags. All right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's um, how you get hands blown off. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I think last year we did... Uh like everybody agreed to just put the candy on um on the we have brick mailboxes with flat tops in our neighborhood and everybody put the candy out there oh that's a good so idea we let the kids like parade through the neighborhood getting all the candy they wanted as they walked just scoop yeah <laughs> it yeah. we, we yeah, just no. did the trunk or treat which for those of you who aren't american and you don't know that's where you put the candy and the kids in the trunk and you just close it and when the sugary rush is over you bring them out it's, it's fine what's um those cars you get with the suspension that bounces as well like you just yeah, shake yeah. the kid up you, you, just in there. grab what you can <laughs> that actually sounds fun can someone do that and send us the video it'd be hilarious for sciences of course for I mean, science. got a chemist yes, yes, yes. and a microbiologist they say it'll be fun it will be fun i don't have to clean up the mess but it'll be fun it'll be perfect <laughs> just vomit right. just, oh no 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 <laughs> All right, so we here at the Blasters and Blades podcast love both the scientific and the fantastical. So what was your first love, sci-fi, fantasy, or horror? See what I did there, Doc? I added horror. Ooh, wow, you can add lib. <laughs> I know, I should get like bonus points. I'm going to double my pay. <laughs> uh, what would that be? Uh, zero. zero. Uh, what's your favorite uh, aspect of speculative fiction? What was your first... Um, he didn't say which was his first love yet, doofus. No, I know. I'm trying, I'm trying to. Uh, but what was your first love? Sci-fi, fantasy, horror? What? Where in spec fic did you discover it? Uh, I think it'd definitely be fantasy uh, for myself. I remember as a sort of a young teenager being given the Dragonlance novels um, to Ooh, go through. Yes. So I, I was given like a series uh, of like three or four that all went off the back of each other. So I didn't have like any gaps or anything, which was brilliant. Um, and I remember just reading all three of those or for however many was, however many books there were. I read all of them in like one sitting. Absolutely loved them. Uh, and that kind of tied into um, a game I bought as well. I bought like the D&D &D starter set to go with it 
that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and then there was another game. What was it called? Uh, it was a board game, kind of like D- uh, Hero Quest. That sounds familiar. It's um, it's like a dungeon crawly where you play like a barbarian or a dwarf okay. or something like that. Um, yeah, and all three of those sort of came at r- roughly the same time in my life. Um, and that kind of cemented my love of fantasy then. It was very much a case of anything with elves, dwarves, humans, orcs, that kind of thing. Just loved it. So, yeah, fantasy is definitely the one that got me involved with it all. So what was the, that your first memory of it? Or was there something younger, maybe a TV show or a cartoon or games that you remember discovering the genre before that or was it the Dragonlance? i think i think Dragonlance was the one that got me sort of like to think oh actually i really like fantasy i think before that it may have been the uh willow the film mm-hmm. with um oh what was his name oh dear he played one of the professors in oh gosh what was his name? Oh, it's going to bother me. Anyway, yeah, that one. It was a. Uh, I just remember that the 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 with the bit with the troll when it sort of falls into the water and it comes out as this two headed thing and it's like, and like, yeah, no, that that also helped. <laughs> sort of make me a a fantasy enjoyer writer, not writer enjoyer. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, consumer. There consumer. Consumer. That's the one. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. I do sometimes get things right. I just put your calendar doc so you know. <laughs> Mark it. No, no. Scribble it down right now. I don't want you to forget. I will. And then ask question Next year is a whole new year on the witch's calendar, so you're screwed. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fine. I I know some witches, and and they liked me. It was okay. (laughs) I mean, just because they tell you you're wrong all the time, that doesn't mean they don't like you. Doesn't mean they're wrong, either. You hush. I'm going to convince that woman that she is wrong about me, and that she should just (laughs) say, JR is right about everything. Oh, that's never going to happen. It could. <laughs> Poor JR. He's so butthurt. I mean, if I get them enough intoxicants and chemicals and stuff, I'm sure I could arrange something. Like, that sounds really bad. Can I, I, I didn't just say I would sneak it into them. I'm I just like, here. Revan leaves, JR. I'm just get like, here, if I, if I give you free booze, will JR, you tell me I'm right? Back on script. Well, the next question is yours, so it's really your fault if you think about it. So your love of the speculative fi- fiction genre, what what is it that you love about it? Um, I think it's mostly because it's just sort of, it allows you to kind of do a... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hold on, i got to concentrate now. Uh, right. Um, I think, uh, sorry, for me, I think it's it's the case that you can kind of explore them. Uh, you can come up with different things. You can do like a lot of world building, that kind of thing with them. Um, there's... There's just more to them. Uh, I find sort of real world settings, they can be fascinating and maybe I'm just reading the wrong things, but I just, I don't quite engage with them the same way I would with like a a fantasy thing or a sci-fi thing. Just because they can do like the crazy stuff, you know, the the lasers, they can do the flames coming out your hands. You know, you can have monsters and different, um, different angles on what could be quite mundane things, you know? So I think that for me, that's what kind of, draws me to it is just that ability to imagine and sort of let, let the imagination stretch all the way rather than just as far as you know well you can't do that because physics says you can't so yes why limit yourself yeah exactly <laughs> physics yeah those are just suggestions exactly exactly right so, sci-fi is yeah just go outside of those physics <laughs> what is it that kind of took you from being a consumer and devouring the genre into creating games for the genre i think it's uh i think a a lot of it was kind of the um 
well, I don't know the right expression, but uh, the frustrated artist, I think. Um, just because uh, I'm not very good at drawing, like uh, I've tried, uh, and I, I'm sure if I practiced, I would get relatively okay at it. But I just don't have the patience. Uh, I can't do music. I haven't got the patience for that, and I've got these really fat, useless fingers that just don't quite, don't quite press keys or pull pull chords as they should do. Um, but I like making things. I like I like to build things. I like physical things that I can move around, and uh, I like systems and processes that you can kind of like work within and try to try and uh, what's the word. Um, when you try and do something as well as possible, like efficiency, like that kind of thing. So I like things where you can try and figure out the best route to do stuff. Uh, and board game design, that was kind of like the perfect mesh of like, I can have any theme I like and I can do whatever I like and I explain every theme however I want, but I can also create systems and things that people can sit there going, ah, oh, my brain, yo, now I get it. And now I've got a bit of strategy and that kind of thing. Uh, it just allows me to, to marry those things together. And then I can get somebody else to do the artwork, which is just brilliant you know so, <laughs> so yeah that that's kind of where i'm coming going with the board game thing I, so mini go ahead no i love board games i know you're you're a frustrated board gamer because you have no one that wants to play with you because you're so mean to everybody it's not because i'm so mean i just don't have the time <laughs> sure we'll go with that it's not because you threaten to stab everybody so many creative I only types stab you oh is it cluedo so she, so she, it's how she shares. She shows she cares. I guess I don't know. So many creative types let their own experiences influence the way they uh, share their vision. So were there any specific formidable moments that shape how you go about the process of creating games? Um, not sure. I mean, the the as I said, I think most of it was just down to the fact that it allowed me to use the the skills and um, the imagination that I had, but the lack of artistic talent and everything else that that I, I did have at the same time and you don't have to come up uh, with a plot no exactly um <laughs> you just got you got a very sparse kind of this is why you're doing this i'll do you know there's some dice involved um i mean i've always liked making games that's always been something you know like when when you're kids you, you naturally want to play you know you're, you're naturally generating games out of sticks and rocks and pebbles and things and you you it's almost instinctive um to make games and as we get older those games will change or they'll become they'll become something else like they they, be, they get incorporated into your work and everything and I, I find that with board gaming i'm able to kind of like separate the work and the gaming side of things and make it uh, you know more personal more of a hobby kind of mm -hmm. um aspect uh unfortunately efficiency is just something i have to be good at at work because they just give me so much work to do <laughs> but that's just that's just part of it you know you, you you learn to become efficient and they they kind of marry and force each other along um i'm now rambling so i probably should stop there but yeah that uh, yeah <laughs> he, he did want us to say as a disclaimer he swears no matter what the media is saying about him he is not inventing the zombie virus all right that's not him it's the other bevan clatworthy just so you know, we had yep. to get that out there for legal purposes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what um, got you into the business of deciding, you know what, playing games is fun. Let's be totally wild and crazy here and make my own game that I'm going to sell. <laughs> um, this uh, this whole journey started with a friend of mine who was very into like uh, Magic the Gathering and th those kind of games like Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon, those sort of mm -hmm. card games. And me and him went, we could do this. We play these all the time. <laughs> so 
uh yeah so that's where we started um and of course like the first thing you think is oh we could do this this is easy and then we started making one it turned out to be really hard so we we went through a few a few little journeys figuring that out um and it was really good fun like we really enjoyed it but as, as things go you kind of just uh, develop and do other things and then eventually i started attending a board game convention in the uk called the uk games expo and one of the uh, sponsors there was doing uh, a games redesign competition where they essentially gave you um, a box uh, and i assume it was a, a, a box from a game that they just couldn't sell so they <laughs> so they were just giving it away um where they took the rules out of it and you had to take the components inside the box and reimagine how you would uh how you would use this game and you could do anything you like you could retheme it you could uh, draw all over the pieces you could um come up with your ink your own design and everything on the on the back of it and then they did a competition to see who did the best ones uh we i was really fortunate i managed to get into the finals on that based on uh i turned a a caveman wilderness trying to survive kind of game to a game about hacking a computer <laughs> so hacking like a hacking like a mega corporation kind of thing so uh, i managed to get to the final with that uh, a couple of friends of mine also entered and they managed to get in with their design as well and what that led to then was eventually we all kind of looked at each other and went that was really good fun none of us won unfortunately but you know that was just the way it goes and we but we enjoyed the process so much we thought hang on these were quite fun maybe we could consider you know speaking to publishers or something or maybe you know doing it ourselves um and at the time i had um ghostal um as like a with a, another publisher sort of seeing if they wanted to keep it like uh, sorry not keep it uh, produce it um so when that got not rejected but kind of like bounced back to me because uh, essentially other things happened um that i won't go into uh, it got bounced back to me and we all kind of went well you know this game's already already kind of good to go should we just try and produce this one and we we all decided there and then that yeah ghoster was the one we wanted to produce because it had like um cool little figurines and everything we basically it was like ready to go essentially and uh yeah that's where we started and that's where we are now so <laughs> So normally we don't focus on like the how to write type questions because there's plenty of podcasts and I mean plenty of podcasts that are by writers for writers. Um, so and I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that. Right. Like so. But we're going to make an exception today because board games are sort of uncharted territory for us. Um, so if someone wanted to get into game design for for like board games, where would you start? I'd like to thank you for assuming that I've also got the ability to talk about this sort of thing. So. <laughs> I mean, no, thank you. You, um, look, you look totally smart enough to do this. Oh, sorry. That's the glasses. I, I don't mean to fool you. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, <laughs> So um, for UK-based people, I, I thoroughly, well, if anybody, anybody I would suggest immediately is uh, sort of maybe try and attend a, uh, a convention, uh, sort of the bigger ones like Gen Con or PAX or... Um, Oh, Geekway to the West, I think, is one of the other big ones in the US. Uh, for the UK, it's UK Games Expo. Uh, or Germany, it's something like Essen, Essen Spiel. Um, I would recommend attending those Bless and you. attend... Sorry? Oh, I thought <laughs> Thank you were sneezing. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'd recommend attending those. They, they've they always got like a, a contingent where you can play test other people's games. And there's generally some fantastic folks in there that are running the groups or uh, at least sort of sitting down and play testing games with their own designs. They can generally sort of point you in the right direction of like uh how to start designing games and if you sit down and play a few prototypes so you can sort of see how they they start off before they become like printed published official games that kind of thing uh just sort of give you a bit of leeway um once you've done that 
I would then recommend going to places like the uh, Board Game Design Lab. That's a fantastic website for lots and lots of creators who are uh, around the world, essentially, who can uh, give you advice from everything from just initial concept all the way up to things like Kickstarter publishing, that kind of thing. Uh, if you're in the UK, I can recommend the Playtest UK group. They are the premium sort of playtest group in the UK itself. They will, they, they, there's groups of them dotted all over the place, but they meet at a lot of the big conventions or even the little ones as well. And they can organize their own little events um, where you can just go along and meet people, talk to people. Um, and I was trying to think for the US, there is the Indie Game Alliance is probably your next best bet. Uh, just just, just to get you in the right place, right contact, right forums and those kind of things. You know, Unfortunately, just be very careful because there is an overwhelming amount of information there. And a lot of the times it can kind of like stymie you because you'll see what other people are up to and go, whoa, my, I'm nowhere near that yet. <laughs> so, um, just take it easy. You know, don't, don't be put off by the, the sheer wealth of experience that might be there and, and just give it a go. I would thoroughly recommend anybody who's designing a game, just give it a go. Don't worry about what's already out there. Don't worry about uh, what other people might think, um, because a lot of the time they'll play it and go, yeah, you know what, that's all right, actually. And then you can sort of push it and develop it and go from there. Um, that or just email me and I'll I'll help you out if I can. <laughs> so. OK, so I, I would assume then the starting point, much like if you wanted to be a writer, you would have to enjoy playing games and play lots of them. Because there are certain skills with writing, for instance, I think in plot, you pick up instinctually just by reading a lot. Mm. I imagine that some of those mechanics start to make sense if you play a lot of board games. Would that be Very accurate, true. you think? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I totally agree. If you, I mean, a lot of uh, sort of, I don't know how far into the weeds I can get with this, but things like uh, if you were trying to design around a particular mechanic, uh, there's one called deck building. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the games yeah. like Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. So you've got games like uh, Ascension, Dominion. They're all very much based around deck building uh, and then you'll get somebody who tries to create a deck building game and has never played one and they just miss some of the fundamentals like the shuffling and graveyards and all that kind of thing and it, it's it's obvious you know you can sort of see it, or they'll just create exactly the same game again because it's been done already um so yeah you're absolutely right although saying that there is a i can't remember his name but there's one of the very very big designers in the industry i say big you know the, the industry is not that massive yet but um who famously will never play anybody else's games he will only play his own stuff because he quote unquote doesn't want to be influenced by them um which is which is fair enough i mean he's big enough that he's the big influencer so i guess he's kind of leading the charge rather oh, than no, being at the back going so it's um, also probably a, i don't want to get sued by some upstart who's going to try to say oh i played it i built a game that was similar and he stole it because oh, lawfare yeah. is a thing too so yeah I, I i know a few authors who won't read anything in speculative fiction because of that concern in part i think people are a little overly concerned about that but but yeah i've heard that from all sorts i know that i figured i, I made one attempt at game design once when i was playing. I'm like i play a lot of rpgs i'm sure i could make my own no, it's a lot harder. I sent it to a friend of ours, Walt Robillard, friend of the show who owns his own uh, RPG studio. He's oh, like, cool. yeah, your your game would not work. Like, it's broken. You need to fix it. And I'm like, oh, that's too much like work. I'm done. I'll go back to writing live. I mean, telling tales. <laughs> so I, I definitely can appreciate what you're talking about. And I know one of the ladies that was once uh, a sponsor of the show for season one, she helped pay for some of it. 
Uh, she went to actually a school in Florida, I think. There's actually a game design program at one of the schools in Florida. Oh, cool. So I imagine that those are start going to start to pop up as well. I think it normally like, focused mostly on like computer, like graphic games. But I mm-hmm. imagine the mechanic part of it is going to be pretty universal because it's, it's math, right? Like math is generally the mechanic for most games. A lot of it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think where Doc's trying to go is, that sort of, uh, and excuse me if I'm, if I'm putting words in your mouth there, but like there's, there's a certain amount of maths to make it balanced and fine tuned, but there is, uh, the fun factor can quite often be like designed out of it if you just go purely on maths. So sometimes you have to yes. have a little bit of imbalance and kind of like wonkiness just to make it fun. <laughs> so. Yes. Sometimes you do. I, I have a lot of them like, so what is your favorite board game? Uh, oh, depends on the day. Um, I can understand that. I I quite like that one. That one's very good. Blood Rage. Um, okay. That was that's one of my big big favorites. It's one of the few, uh, the few one of the few games where I've looked at it on Kickstarter and went mm, not that fast. And then someone played it at like a, a club or something, and I played it and went, no, I need everything. I need all of it. Like I need this thing and all the expansions and everything that goes with it. Um, it's like Vikings uh, battling over the end of the world kind of thing, uh, but you can summon like giants and. Uh, werewolves and all that sort of thing to come in and give you a bit of a hand and it's just so much fun um but i absolutely love that one blood rage um i didn't even say the name uh yeah blood rage is very good i'm just trying to think so i'm just having a quick look around i i play uh it's a i guess it's considered a deck game but have you played dominion the card game yes yeah yeah yeah. i've played that one before i mean yeah, if they're not looking one. and you, you scoop some of their cards that's totally not cheating either <laughs> all right <laughs> So, but we're, we're going to get back to you. So, Doc, it's time for the fandom questions. Okay. So, have you had any f- fun fan art or cosplay of something from your game? Um, sort of. We we recently commissioned artwork for a, a new game, um, and then the it's um it's based on uh, the sort of the sequel to the the first game that we did, and it's essentially the like gardening uh, the monsters that were sort of the ghosts that were involved in the first game are now involved with doing the gardens in the second game, but they have to hire monsters because obviously the ghosts can't do things like move a lawnmower or whatever because they just go straight through it. But anyway, um, the artist that did the artwork for it, she uh, as a gift did uh, myself as like a um, uh, like a like a ghoulie kind of. Uh, zombie kind of thing mm-hmm. and unfortunately i couldn't find the picture of it it's it's here somewhere on my computer and I, I, i'd pop it up if i could well when you find um, it just share it into our facebook group so we can uh cool we'll do uh, brag, yeah. brag about you there yeah i mean it and it was a fantastic piece the only problem is it's better looking than i am so i i got a bit worried you know when it's like you sometimes see people get like artwork done of them and it's like this like absolutely beautiful pout duck pout that kind of thing i looked at it went i can't keep that up there i'm just i cannot <laughs> <laughs> people go ooh, and then they'll see the rim and go oh gosh <laughs> but it did so, have the eyebrows it got those in which i was really pleased about you know nice and thick caterpillars so do you have like a newsletter type deal for uh tinkerbot games your company we do uh, unfortunately it's lapsed at the moment but yes we do have a a newsletter on the website somewhere i mean if you dig so maybe, into the... maybe you can share it there when you get it so people can find it at some other point if they sign up for your newsletter to get the coolest newest game stuff cool yeah that's a really good idea <laughs> thanks so, we do like so um has anybody asked for your autograph out in public at a convention or a game thing 
Uh, at a convention, yes. Uh, I was a bit flummoxed because I was like, I'm not famous. <laughs> and they wanted me to sign the, the inside of the box kind of thing. Uh, and I've done that a couple of times, but never outside a convention. Nobody's uh, approached me um, with their own copy that's all tattered and battered and go, please sign it. That kind of things. That, no, that's that's never happened. Um, my wife has very kindly they just popped the picture in, though, if we if that's uh, just sort of and if that if that shows on the camera hold on is it coming up there we go yep. oh yeah there we go. i like nice. it yeah that's pretty cool bit, i'm just gonna get rid of that though it does make me feel a little bit inadequate <laughs> i guess Jim really does like you she keeps she kept the picture that says something i think <laughs> or, or she liked the picture better than you but we won't go there Stare, quit while you're ahead it's true yeah. <laughs> anyway so. um yeah, no, nobody, nobody outside of a convention has ever asked me to sign anything. Uh, other so, than, have you uh, seen people playing your game and gotten like that feedback? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I've been, I've been to a couple of cafes where they've been playing it. Uh, sort of, they've set it up there, and the temptation to go over and say, "I made that," and to sort of watch their faces go, "We don't give a shit, mate." <laughs> sort of things. So we're like, okay, probably shouldn't do that, but. Um, yeah it, it, it's quite fun to see uh, conventions especially you'll go over to like they, they usually have like a, an area for people who've just bought games to just sit down and try out what they've bought yeah uh, and a couple of times i've gone over there and i've seen people just sort of swearing at each other or you know saying no you go there no you go there that kind of thing so which is good you know i want people to be talking and having a an interactive experience rather than sort of sat there very quietly moving bits about sort of thing so yeah on a scale of zero to settlers of Catan, how much fighting was there in this game uh depends on how much table talk you get i mean it... <laughs> i've never gets... had a serious fighting in settlers of Catan. now munchkin munchkin Ooh. munchkin's the one where people got grounded in my house <laughs> i was told settlers of Catan was the game that broke families and destroyed marriages oh see i heard monopoly was that game <laughs> i heard it was munchkin i guess it's Before. your mileage may vary but so there <laughs> the competitiveness was was fun to watch when they were like you know screaming at each other yeah, you better not steal my shit. Carcassonne <laughs> was the one that broke mine. Ooh. My ex wouldn't play that one with me or Munchkin. <laughs> now, is it Munchkin's the one where you kick down the door, isn't it? And you go like, yep. monster, and you, you get loot and you loot the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I could, I could see that one being quite uh, contentious. Um, I do remember a couple of games of Settlers though, where someone um, they did all the trading and they ended up with like stuff everywhere essentially and then they immediately played this card that basically allowed them to take it all back again so they ended up with everybody's cards <laughs> i've seen that a couple of times and that did get a bit bit teasy i mean i was quite glad the tables were bolted down so <laughs> so yeah oh my. yeah <laughs> it's not good so what would be your funniest interaction with a fan since you've started making games uh, I think the one that sticks in my mind the most was we were we were demoing it at a, a smaller convention in Wales called Dragon Days. Um, it was a sort of charity one, but it was on the grow just before COVID. Um, unfortunately, COVID may have nuked it. We don't know, but we'll have to see. But it's, it, what happened it was we only just sort of produced the game and we took it there to to demo it. And this little girl came up and said, oh, I love the little ghosties, you know, the sort of thing. And we're just uh, she was about seven eight something like that and she dragged over her i think it was her uncle <laughs> who was looking after her for the day to come and play this game with her um and we sat down and we went through it and she's like okay yeah. and slowly figuring it out and understanding it um and they went away and she seemed quite happy you know she seemed to enjoy it 
And then I think it was a couple of hours later, she came back and she had her uncle and her uncle's mate and said, we're all playing this. Can you show us how to play this game? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. We can sit down and play it again. So they all sat down and they played it again. And at this point she was starting to understand some of like the tactics and the, the, the little nuances of like how you play the cards and how you can get away with like little alliances and then breaking them and just walking away that sort of thing um and that was great she you know they bought a copy of the game the uncle didn't look too happy i don't think he's his his style of game but he was kind of like yeah i'll buy it anyway um and then, <laughs> and then i think just before the show was about to sort of close like maybe half an hour to an hour before she came back again and she had her uncle his friend and i think there was like a fourth person she said right we're all sitting down and playing this game yeah yeah and she just taught it to them and we just stood back and went fair enough and we gave her like a, a free ghost or something we had some little glow in the dark ghosts or something that were like special edition kind of things that we gave we said look just take that it's been a fantastic experience watching you teaching somebody else the game that we we've made it was just it was lovely and uh, the uncle eyes i don't think his eyes could have stopped spinning he was <laughs> he'd had enough i think he'd had enough after the first play but yeah she loved it so yeah i always remember that that experience oh that was lovely heartwarming and funny <laughs> so. that's good I have been there with a kid or two, but it's it's always great that and you know that they really did understand it then if they can teach somebody else. Exactly. It was flawless. She was um, it was really, really good teach as well. Like um, obviously she left as a kid, you get a bit excited and they left a couple of bits out and then suddenly they sprung it on them just as just as like, no, you can't do that. Well, why can't I do that? It's because of this. Oh, what? you didn't tell me that. So, so yeah. So was that the the funniest sort of interaction you've had since you started um designing these games with fans um i th i think so i mean i've missed out on a couple i was really gutted there's a <laughs> there was one incident where um uh, there's a, a reviewer called tom vassal he works for a company called the dice tower uh, and they're like the the biggest um review site for board games they're like they're absolutely enormous uh, at least for english speakers um and he twice he'd come to our store because he for some reason he remembered us he remembered the game he remembered uh playing it however many years ago and reviewing it and really enjoying it and he loved coming over to the stall and sort of you know standing behind the stall and trying to sell the game you know pretending to sell the game for us or playing with the little bits and pieces and twice i was away from the stall at those two times that he came over. and they were you know i'd come back over and my my business partner would say oh tom was here a minute ago and i'd be like where where, where is he he's, oh, he's gone now you know you won't see him he's he's gone off and doing other media -y things and he's been like you know mucking about with the things doing photos and all that sort of stuff i was, I was gutted because he's a bit of a hero you know <laughs> being such a a big mogul in the industry um and yeah both times missed him so i was gutted i managed to catch him outside the convention in the end but i think he'd had enough i think he was ready for his dinner by that point so i didn't spend long talking to him he's huge as well like really tall so, so you said um this is your company so how many games has your company produced is it just ghostal uh just ghostal at the moment we've got a couple of uh sort of print and play games that we've got there as well and sort of I think maybe five or six in development at different stages. Um, but yeah, we, we produced ghost all, I think it was 2017, something like that. So quite a while ago. Um, and obviously every Halloween we have little sales and things cause it's just, it's perfectly designed for that, that time of the year. Um, but things just kind of got in the way, you know, me and my business partner, we ended up like, you know, having families, moving houses, moving around places, you know, that everything just kind of got in the way. Um, and we just decided since we're doing this for fun, there's no point in us trying to push, push more stuff. Um, and eventually we got to a point where we were reasonably settled, that kind of thing. And we said, right, let's do the next one. What's the next thing? Let's do another haunted house game. 
cool. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, staying close to the mark. You said that uh, you had some print and play games. What are those? I've never heard that term before. Uh, so um, print and plays are generally games that are, they're either pre-production versions of a, a game that is going to be sort of made usually via Kickstarter or something like that, um, that a person can print at home or they can get, there are some services like uh, the Game Crafter or drive through Cards that can produce it for you. Um, it'll be a lot higher quality than what you could do on a home printer usually. Um, it's a reasonably niche kind of thing, but it is a kind of growing aspect of the hobby where people will just uh, print the games and play them play them that way. Uh, and it tends to be used as advertising, um, quite frankly, because it's a it's a way for people to play your game, test it out, see if they like it, but then they won't get things like the premium artwork or the really cool components that are like custom made or um, things like that. Uh, for our two that we've got up at the moment, it's just basically um, because we, we like the games, we don't think they've got enough uh, commercial merit to actually be produced like we could produce them but we would either produce them at cost or at a loss um so we've decided rather than just shelve them and keep them ourselves we we'd pop them up on the website and people can print them um they tend to be quite small games uh a few cards i mean uh, one of our ones is called tinker tactics it's basically two business card sized uh, playing boards and then whatever dice you can find to to play it so with the revolution of 3D printing, everything that's going around, um, do you see that changing the game production side of things where, you know, you could print your own figurines and then all you need is the the board and uh, whatever rules? Um, see, I did initially, I mean, I, I invested in a, a 3D printer myself and that's mo mostly for sort of prototyping and components, which has not gone well since I can't meet anybody now. <laughs> so um, it's a really big paperweight. Um uh, but <laughs> I used to think so. I mean, for, for things like D and D, uh, or any kind of role-playing game or low, low miniature, uh, low component games where you, you wouldn't need a, a lot of stuff. I think, yes, absolutely fantastic. Cause there's, uh, there's resin printers that can produce like a D and D mini that's just as good as anything games workshop or, um, Reaper minis can do. And you can like custom build it. There's websites that allow you to custom build a monster. So you could have like your own little half orc, half dragon, ranger, barbarian character if if you wanted to with with wings. If if you wanted to, you know, and you could print that at home. Hero It'd be Ford. fantastic. Exactly. Hero yes, that, that's the one. Yes. Um, uh, there's places that let you do those sort of things, but I think the only practical uses i've seen for 3d printers at home at the moment is for printing inserts for games they've already bought so to make them easier to organize that kind of thing okay um or just to kind of tart them up a little bit so like if you've got say cardboard components you might do uh wooden tokens for, uh, sorry 3d printed tokens out of plastic or something like that for them it's I, I was in the same position as yourself i thought oh wow you know we could do all sorts of this sort of thing but the majority of them are so slow and the quality is not as good as a lot of factories can produce on mass that I, I don't think it's going to replace uh, board games being made outside of the house just yet so yeah so we're learning all kinds of new british words like gutted and flummoxed and tarted <laughs> up so I, I, we do appreciate how are these that. new british words uh, i mean how many americans do you know saying they're gutted or something's absolutely brilliant lots you hang out with weird people, but we like you. <laughs> all right. So all of that sounds fascinating. 
This is also true. Uh, I walked into that one, didn't I? So while that all sounds fascinating, today we're going to talk about your game that we've, we've talked about a little bit already, Ghostal. So where did you get the premise for this game? How did you sort of, what's the genesis of Ghostal? Uh, so this was right back in the sort of beginning days when I was really getting, when you sort of start getting into the, the, the more hardcore games, as they put them. Um, and there was one I played called, I think it was called Pirates of Nassau or something. Got a lovely organizer. Yep. Yep. I did one for Dinosaur Island that, uh, oh, where's it gone? Uh, no, I can't remember. It's, it's basically all neon pinks and greens and it's fantastic. It's just a lovely little game. And I thought, do you know what? The dinosaurs are a bit boring. I'll just print my own. <laughs> so I've got hundreds of different dinosaurs now, like Diplodocuses and T-Rexes. Um, Anyway, Ghostal, yes. So Pirates of um, Pirates of Nassau. It was a, a board game about dice and like you, you chose which dice you used and the dice told you how far you moved and all that sort of thing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But what if you could like move in all different directions? Um, and luckily at the time, it was also Halloween. So I was just thinking about like, you know, what can move through everything? Oh, ghosts. Ghosts can always like, they can go through walls and floors and ceilings and that kind of thing. And that kind of created this game of like, ghosts moving around and then the dice became like how big they were doing their scares so like a one was like a ooh, illileek, or there was like a six was like ah, kind of thing you know they really went for it um and then yeah it's just it all kind of fell into place then with like things like phobias that allow you to change your scare so you look like a scary clown or something or special power-ups that let you like boost your dice or move your dice or let you move around the hotel quicker um yeah and then it was it all kind of like thematically fell fell into like into place as it were uh and then ghoster was born so so are you playing as the ghost or the the patrons that are getting scared you're playing as the ghost so each of the the cards is a uh a, so, so uh, oh i'll probably show, show you a little picture so on, on the on the back there you can see i don't even quite see there so you got yeah. the, second, i'll put you solo layout yeah, so that's the that's the guests. So those are the guest cards in the oh, there we go. Those are the guest cards. So essentially the the board is like a three by three, and each of those um spaces in the grid is a is where a guest would stay. It's like, it's like a room in this hotel. Um, and you are tasked with scaring them back out again, because obviously you you want to keep the hotel to yourself. You want it to be a ghost hotel. <laughs> so um so uh yeah, the idea is then you are scaring those the guests back out of the the hotel um to score spooky points like boo points to try and be the scariest ghost essentially nice sort of like a monsters inc kind of thing going on yeah yeah exactly yeah i like it i think it's cute so why a haunted house game was it just because you happen to start thinking about it on halloween or is there something more to it or uh i think it was a combo of of that it was a halloween it was it was actually a drive we were just driving back from somewhere um someone I'm on is the on of the back box. of that box i don't know who it is but facebook, facebook user. user hold on let me just if i point to a bunch of people is it is it that one that one that one uh, hold on i'll put you on the solo layer not even putting on it oh i've got it upside down <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna guess that facebook user is that lady there who you might recognize yeah, oh, your wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm guessing that's her anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, if it's not, well, that's funny. kind of awkward, but you know, whatever. Awkward. Um, it'd be a really small world if they are listening, that'd be fantastic. But um, if it was somebody else, uh, yeah, so we uh, well, little aside, we were really lucky. The artist we got to involved with the game is it's Gemma. There it is. <laughs> Hi, love, you're right. <laughs> So, so we have to start saying nice things about her now that we know she's listening. All the time. Um, All right. So, so you were saying why why you did the haunted house theme? 
Oh, sorry. So Haunted House theme. So, uh, yeah, it was a combination of the fact that it was Halloween anyway. And I'm just a big horror fan. Like, I, I love everything from, like, the, you know, the silly spooky things, like, you know, tiny ghosts dressed up in sheets and that kind of thing, all the way up to, like, the, the gory horror movies like Walking Dead. You know, I was a big fan. Of, I'm a huge fan of, like, zombie um movies and fiction that kind of thing so yeah it just the haunted house thing just kind of it all clicked together it, all, it was like a lovely confluence of things that made it the perfect theme and the perfect idea for me and it was it also helped that it was a theme that i really enjoyed um which helped with things like playtesting because i don't know uh, playtesting is a bit of a slog um when you're trying to sort of make sure that the game works and you've got to play it over and over and over and over again to make sure that there's no weird combinations or rules that don't quite work or there's like stodginess in it anywhere. Um, so yeah, it, it, that helped with that as well. So. so how long from start to finish did it take you to develop this game? Like I'm not, I have no idea on like backend stuff, how long it takes to do this. So um, I think overall it was for us, it was somewhere between, I think it must have been about 18 months to two years uh, if we go from oh. like initial idea all the way up to actually having copies of the game in our hands to to sell. Um, okay. Yeah. Is that normal? Is that industry standard, do you think? Uh, for for an indie developer just doing it for fun? I think I think so, yeah. I, I would say so. Uh, industry itself, probably closer to a year, I would say, for development. Uh, it depends. I mean, there's uh, the, most of the people that I'm I speak to and I'm, uh, I'm involved with, they tend to either have uh, they'll either bring on other people to do the design and development work, and then they will take the the game like through the final stages of marketing and producing them, um, or they they'd be like a studio um, that is uh, like Prospero Hall. They produce a lot of like the Funko Pop games or Horrified or the Scooby Doo games. I think they did that one as well. Um, a lot of them in Target. Is that is that that's an American shop, isn't it? Target or yeah, yeah. So um, they produce a lot of the board games you might see in there. Um, but for indies, the said like indies might like myself, it can take ages. It can take an absolute <laughs> age to get these things produced, simply because you want to do it right. Um, but you've also got to take it to places. You need to show it off. You need to market it. And just to produce the the thousand copies that we made, it was a it was a really tough. Type, like slog to get the funding and everything so, uh, yeah. so are you still selling the game we are still selling the game we are on our second print run now uh, which is nearly all gone uh we've just had a massive boost over halloween where we got rid of a lot of uh, sorry got sold a lot of copies not got rid it's not it's not like the trash or anything um but yeah we sold a lot of copies um we've still got a few left we i think the sale is still on now um but yeah, well, we, we're, we we're running this, low. When we post the final version of this uploaded, we'll link to the um, um, to the link where you can buy the. It's tinkerbot.com. Um, I think is one of the websites in board games or whatever. There's links that'll be in the show notes for how to buy the game. Perfect, um, thank you. So from from idea from concept to play test, what was the time frame? Because obviously the business side can take time, but from just I've got this idea to we're playing this idea and it works. What was the time frame? uh from oh from i from thinking to actually play testing it was only a couple of weeks like i i came home in an absolute fever dream of just trying to get this thing made like i just sat there every every evening drawing cards and punching out cardboard tokens and all that sort of thing um and i got quite lucky i hear it's not a common thing but uh, the initial game itself was quite solid so the amount of play testing required was not as 
bad as some of the other games that I've heard of, or some of my subsequent things that I've tried to design. I was quite spoiled. I got quite frustrated with my second and third designs because they just did not work. <laughs> so, so does your does your company only produce your games, or are you going to be um, working with other indie creators as well at some point? Um, at the moment, we're so we're such a small indie that we're we're just designing and producing our own um games at the moment if we got to the stage where we felt like we could start producing other stuff or we just because the churn is quite high like you want to be producing maybe three or four games a year i think is probably where you want to be aiming for um at that point we would consider sort of bringing on other indie designers as well but at the moment no it's just just our own stuff okay well before we uh dig more in uh watch i guess really doesn't work because we've been doing that the whole time but anyway uh how did you come up with the art for this uh for this cover that's on the screen right now that everyone's been looking at it's it's pretty awesome so what's the story behind this art so the the artist that we got involved he, he he's an american chap called uh, tyler johnson he and we we were super lucky it turned out that he was a trained caricaturist so he was able to sort of draw the the figures you can see at the bottom there are made up but the the characters in the game are actually friends family and fans of the game itself and we've got them caricatured to look like um obviously like themselves so they would send it they sent in photos and things and there was cats and all sorts of stuff and he drew them um for the front cover it was it was amazing we just kind of told him we'd like to have the four ghosts in it we'd like to have the the chief ghost that nobody actually plays but kind of runs the the, ho the ghost hell as it were um, and he just took it. He just took it away, drew that, and came back with just amazing, amazing piece of artwork. He even managed to do little things where um, there's five phobias in the game. Um, Gemma uh, says the cover is very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So in in the game itself, there's like there's there's five phobia to uh, five phobias that you can use: uh, spiders, clowns, darkness. Oh, this is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> snakes, snakes are in there too. Uh, and there's there's a fifth one that I can never remember. Oh, dolls, the creepy dolls, you know, like Chucky. Yeah, um, very yeah, creepy. So that, that's my personal phobia <laughs> is the doll one. But anyway, uh, you'll find them as like little, he crammed them in as little Easter eggs around the, 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 the front cover as well. And it just created this lovely kind of um, aesthetic this lovely look around it that made you kind of go oh yeah oh there's little bits there you know little easter eggs and things oh yeah okay i can see that um and yeah it was lovely absolutely lovely um i couldn't say any more praise about what he managed to achieve with the very little experience that i had in creating things like art briefs and stuff because i had no idea i said yeah make it look scary not too scary <laughs> and he went so with i it. put the um it's covering up a little bit of the bottom of the game but i think it's worth it because on the bottom of the screen for those of you who are watching and not listening we have a link to the ghost of board game which is tinkerbotgames.com and from their website you can buy it it's just backslash product backslash ghostal um but uh if, if it's something you want to catch while it's on sale hit it today when's the sale end it was technically today, but if I speak to my partner, we'll try and leave it on for another week. There you go, because this will definitely be going out uh, tonight. So some people might get it, you know, trickle in throughout the week. Um, but you'll uh, you'll be able to go to the website. We'll link it in the show notes. You can see it on your screen if you're watching. Uh, it's definitely sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, all right, Doc. Next question's on you. If you're awake, if we haven't, I am you. awake. I'm allowed to be awake. <laughs> Wait, that sounded wrong. So. We talked about what makes the game special. No, he's supposed to give us his 30-second elevator pitch. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't highlight that. You did highlight that. I'm sorry. So what would be your 30-second elevator pitch for the game? So I'm going to cheat 
because I technically wrote it on the back of the box. So I'm just going to read that out oh, if that's okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so Creepstone Manor has been closed for nearly 100 years, standing dark and silent above the town of Creepstone. And that's just the way resident Go Spooky likes it. But now the manor has been reopened and turned into a hotel for the living. Ghostal is a semi-cooperative family game for two to four players that plays in 60 minutes. Prey on the phobias of guests by turning into their worst nightmares. Work with other ghosts to combine forces and scare away the hardiest of hotel patrons to earn upgrades and get even scarier. I love so, that as a cooperative game because uh, we've we've it's hard to find a good cooperative game. A. Oh, uh, it's it's technically a semi co-op. There is still That's a winner. Fine. <laughs> That's fine. I'll take a semi co-op. I like semi co-ops because I think it's good. It teaches kids that they have to get along, but everybody still has their own goal. Yeah. So uh, you can get along and still get your thing and they can get their thing or not. But I, I think that sounds awesome. So what is the ideal age for this game? Uh, well, the box says 14 plus um, because of health and safety. But we've had kids <laughs> as young as eight years old playing it no problem um if the parents are able to sort of work with the uh, sort of open it's a, usually you have like a um, you can have a hand of little power-up cards that you can use to kind yeah. of like change things up a little bit but you can um open hand it so everybody can see what's going on or you can uh remove certain ones that are a bit more uh, so you can scale it difficult. a little bit exactly yep you can absolutely can oh there they are <laughs> So I'm gonna go through while while Doc, you said you had some questions for him. I'm gonna go through and and well, his description see. was really well laid out. So is it? But is it turn based? It is turn based. So so essentially during the game, you'll play. You'll have three dice uh, during your turn. You'll roll your three dice. That's how you get three scares essentially with each of those dice. Um, the higher the number, the bigger the scare. And what you're trying to do is each of the the characters in the game will have like a number in their bottom corner that tells you how easy they are to scare. So the higher the number, the the harder and, uh, they are to scare. While while we say that, let me zoom in real quick, and you can oh, see. You uh, can you tell us what those little symbols are? The the three numbers on every card, and then the number on the side. Ah, yeah. So um, if you manage to scare the character out, the person who's placed the most scare, so the most pips on their dice, will get that top score, the the gold number. The, so if you, okay. for example, with Tyler, if you scared him out, you get eight points. Um, if somebody else contributed to the scare but didn't have as many pips in it, so like, say, let's say blue had five and red had three, red would get four points instead from scaring out Tyler. And then if a third or fourth player got involved, they would get the two points. So it creates this lovely little um, system where even if you've got very low dice, you can kind of like pop in and get a few extra points here and there and sort of okay. stay, stay relevant in the game, stay running. So is there a cap on the number of turns for the game? Uh, yes, it's. Oh, it's been a while. Hold on. <laughs> um, I think it's four turns. Like, what, like what's the end condition? four turns yes okay so those are really my games because you did my my questions because you answered really well everything with every <laughs> everywhere else so we've got this card that's got some of this funny stuff at the end of the turn increase boo dice instead of decreasing them like what what are these cards we're looking at that are on the screen right now ah, right so um to to make the game a bit more interesting each of the guests will either have a uh, a phobia which is something they're terrified of or it's going to be something like a special power and what it does is it create when you create that sort of three by three grid it's the guests are randomized so you'll end up with like a different puzzle almost every round um yeah so each of those uh 
that you're showing on the screen there would be a different special power for different characters and that'll affect how the ghosts can move around the hotel how their dice can be placed whether they can need to place two dice or whether they their dice get boosted um the other thing i've i've just realized my mistake as well it's not four rounds it's when the uh, guest deck runs out so you'll find Gemma that... just told us that i was just <laughs> yeah uh, oh there we go different screen <laughs> thanks Gemma. thank you um yeah so it's when the guests run out which is about 45 minutes i think once once you know the rules um so it's not a long game either it's more family wake style game but yeah it, essentially the the, the power-ups and the the phobias just create as i said this lovely little puzzle this constantly changing puzzle to the game so that each game is different all right well since she, she had to bounce out for a second how long does it take to learn the game from like we open it up to we can figure out and get the game going how long does that process uh i would say for a first game it'd be about 15 minutes uh maybe 20 if you're uh, like myself and like to read the rules cover to cover <laughs> but we have got some lovely videos on the website that will teach you how to 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 play the game including one that's been done with like um stick for animation so like little stick figures sort of telling you how to play it so there are some great resources out there to learn the game quickly and so these are some scare tactic cards they've got because it's got the card deck mechanic this is the hotel i'm guessing that's the hotel yeah with a score track around the outside okay and then some of the phobias i'm guessing that's the dark Ooh, that's the dark yep <laughs> i like the art for that one that's why i grabbed that one i didn't grab all the art because i wanted you to have to go to his website people because it's it's pretty epic <laughs> what's there but the doll was oh my goodness oh yeah i mean that that could be framed and put on someone's wall it's kind of cool art what do you think doc would you put that on your wall uh i'd put it on my son's wall <laughs> just above the bed <laughs> behave or the maybe, dog maybe maybe <laughs> i've been known right. to do stuff like that okay. so so how much involvement did you have in when you were doing the art did you just do the general idea and the art not artist knocked it out of the park or were you very specific when you designed it that hey it needs this card this card um yeah i mean we gave him a list uh, and as i said a lot of the art was sort of caricatures of the people who wanted to be involved with the game as well so i'm in there my wife's in there um gina my business partner's in there um but a lot of it was just a case of uh here's a a folder we've got each each is guest a b c d you know sort of to keep them anonymized um for you know, data protection and that kind of thing and then he just he would just go away and draw them and if it looked it, nine, 99 percent of the time it looked fantastic straight out of the bar you know it's like it was just really cool really awesome looking um i don't know if you've got the the oh, what was it called the clown is the clown available i didn't i was just grabbing a couple okay. for a sample i really wanted oh, no to worries. sort of push them to have to go um to to the website okay um, cool well so this um, is the go ticker tinkerbotgames.com um uh, so in a in a matchup when you play at home in your family, who of the Clatworthies wins at Ghost Storm? Uh, generally me. <laughs> <laughs> generally. Uh, Gemma's really good because she's she played the very first prototypes of it. Um, so she's she's a bit of a shark at it as well. Um, I have it's not quite um low enough for my daughter and my son to play yet. They're they're still a little bit young for it, but I will I will be introducing them to it quite soon. Um, okay. I tell you what, in fact, that's just reminded me of a very funny story I had with my parents. So <laughs> I, I, the first time I showed my parents the actual game, right, they they were supportive, but they didn't quite understand the whole board game thing. So I remember we sat down and played Ghost Door. Like we got a production copy out and we placed it down and we played it. Um, was it production copy? 
No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I remember one turn, my mum my mum was there going, you know, I, I don't play board games, don't really like, I don't get them. And then obviously she sharks us half the time. But uh, my dad was, he's very meticulous. He, he used to play chess, uh, used to do uh, sort of strategy board games like Risk and that kind of thing. And I remember he sat there and he planned out his entire term. Like he went, oh, I do this and I do that. And he, he talks through it. So we're all sat there listening going, does he know he's he's talking? Like he can, we can actually hear him saying exactly what he's going to do. And then he went, oh, but you were doing that and you were doing that. And my mum did exactly what he thought, um, what he said. <laughs> Basically, he described everybody's turn. My mum did exactly what he said and won. So can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> it was, but yeah, my dad was my dad was a bit livid at that point. Like he he must not have realised he was talking out loud half the time. <laughs> Gemma is sad that you beat her. <laughs> Every, but, she beats me everything else. So. That's fair. That's fair. And she writes better books than you. So absolutely, one hundred percent. That is true. Very true. So, do you think uh, going forward, all of your games are going to stick with the um, ghost Halloween ish vibe going on, or do you think you'll branch out? Uh, I think I'll branch out. Um, my uh, unfortunately, my second game is a haunted house game. It's basically set in the grounds of this the hotel that's in the first game, um, where you're trying to sort of fix up the gardens instead. So you're planting things like pumpkins and these horrible snapper weeds that look like uh, Venus fly traps on steroids, uh, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's in a similar vein, similar universe, but not the same game. Um, but my more recent designs have been things like uh, dragon farming. So you've got to uh, breed dragons to repopulate the dragon populace because, you know, people have hunted them to extinction. Uh, there's one about robots where you've got to, like, power them up to, with different elements to make them do stuff. Um, I think one of my most recent ones that I, I keep coming back to is, is one about uh, unicorns that make ice cream. Right. That's a bit of a weird one. But, yeah, it, all sorts of different themes outside of haunted stuff. <laughs> So Doc is uh, telling us she's getting antsy because she has to uh, run and take her kid around trick-or-treating. Um, and <laughs> my family is still on the Rona lockdown, so I'm not going anywhere. Um, so Doc, if you want to say goodbye to our loving two fans, one of which is you and one is Gemma. Um, but <laughs> no, hi, Nathan. Me because I'm not logged on Facebook right now. All right. Well, then we have two fans. Wow. <laughs> you <laughs> so never know. You, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, so thank you for stopping with us, Doc. We're going to be wrapping this up here in a minute. Go take the, the kid you out. Do all the... Thank you so much, Bevan, for joining us because I love board games. So hopefully we'll do more board games in the soon. And I'm cool. definitely no, ordering good. the game. So if you get a oh. weird order from Georgia, that would be me. <laughs> so... I'll make sure if I'll spit in an extra card there. There's a, a promo card called Connie. I'll make sure that's in there as well. Oh, thank you. Have so a she, great one. She, uh, she said what I was going to, which is... Um, we definitely will have you back to talk about some of your other games because you know we're sort of <laughs> branching out on not just doing the sci-fi and fantasy books like that's one of the things we we did when we rebranded so we can do rpgs and comics and you know we, we want to stay away from movies unless it's really indie because there's hundreds of channels for that too but um but yeah so your future products you're, you're welcome to come back definitely oh lovely thank um, you and it should be fun i don't know how much more <laughs> they think I'm an AI. I promise you, Nathan, I am real. You talk to me in real life. Um, but we'll definitely have you back. So reach out when you've got new stuff. You can always share in the group. We invite all of our people that have been on as guests that, you know, to talk about what they're doing in our Facebook group where all the shenanigans, shenanigans happen. Um, but was there anything about Ghostal that we didn't ask you um, that you wanted to tell us before we wrap up? Because like I said, board games are new territory for us. So 
Um, no, I think we hit all the points. We talked about the game. We talked about it's it's on special now. Um, it's available at our website. There you go. Um, so uh, we'll definitely have to, do, we'll have to do a panel on creating games and speculative fiction, and we'll have you on and some people that do RPGs and see if we can just mix it all up and have a little fireside chat about it, which is basically an unscripted conversation where mostly we're soberish and we talk soberish. Cool. Ish. Uh, well, I'm sober, and then they're not because somebody has to like drive the truck. <laughs> but, but you know, as long as I keep it on the road, mostly, um, you know. But it's a little different for you because you drive on the wrong side of the road. So we do, and we use um, is it stick shift? That's yeah. that's a that's a big thing over here. <laughs> so. so if they wanted to, uh, normally, and then and then I'll do my little spiel. Normally, we remind people to uh, go out and review the stuff they like because it helps. Uh, if they wanted to leave reviews of your product, where would they do that since this is new territory for us? Uh, so the best place to do it would probably be somewhere. Uh, it's called boardgamegeek.com. Um, it's a, an American website that has uh, your basically wife has every all game the ever. jokes. Don't AI's <laughs> try to sound more like people. <gasps> oh. She's mad about my tea comments. I knew it. She's spinning the double O's after me. All right. But yeah, so there's a website, Board Games, uh, where people can do reviews. Uh, Boardgamegeek.com. Okay. Yeah, which is you, the best place. Do you sell on Amazon as well? Uh, no, we we didn't go for the Amazon affiliate. There was like a, there was a lot of hoops to jump through for Amazon. So uh, no, we don't sell on there. All right. Well, then uh, we will link everything he's got for us for Tinkerbot Games. Before we uh, we wrap this up, uh, I want to remind everyone to, whether it's video games, board games, comic books, whatever the media may be, uh, please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right consumer find the right product. Uh, so help about, help people out. Now, with an author, when you get 100 reviews, rumor has it that you get a unicorn. But I don't know if that applies to game developers. So would you like get your own ghost if you get like your 100th review? Is that how that works? Oh, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. That um, actually sounds a lot cooler so. than a unicorn if you ask me. Yeah, unfortunately, a bit more useless. Like, I, I guess with a unicorn, you could like ride it to work or something, but a, a ghost would just be annoying. <laughs> he said we can have at least a cider can be on ice. Ooh, All right, so yeah. we're negotiating terms here. Um, <laughs> so Lovely. do you go into the backstory? Because now I'm thinking about ghosts, and I know we're about to wrap this up, but do you go into the backstory of the ghosts themselves, like who they were when they were alive, or they're just random spooks? Um, sort of. There, there is an Easter egg in the game. Um, I don't know how much I should say, but in on the board itself, there the each of the rooms has a little bit of artwork, and in one of them, there's a picture of a gangster who looks an awful lot like Spooky, the head ghost of the house. So yeah, there's a little uh, so bit. So it was there. a speakeasy. There you go. Maybe yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. I can dig um, it. So if you want to know more, you got to buy the game and play it, and you'll figure out all the things. Exactly. Yep. I like that. <laughs> Elvis likes it too. So uh, before, as we wrap this up, Bevan, can you tell listeners how they can find you in Tinkerbot Games? And as usual, it'll be in the show notes. Cool. Uh, yeah. So you'll find us at tinkerbotgames.com. That's probably the best place to find us. Um, if you're into like places like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, if you just search for Tinkerbot Games, um, we're all over those. Uh, if you want to find me personally, it's Zombev on Twitter and on Facebook. Yeah, go with Tinkerbot Games. That's probably easier. And I could, I could speak to you directly then. That'd be great. All right, I will get your because I didn't um, get your uh, Twitter one. We'll get that in the uh, post production, and I'll, I'll add that to the stuff. Thank you. Um, and now I get to tell you, dear listener, where you can find us. If you're watching this live, you obviously know we're on the Facebook at 
facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast where all the shenanigans happen you can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com uh we promise we respond to every letter we get we've gotten three so far and they were all very touching except for the one that said get rid of elvis and you can just go eat lemons my dog is cool uh we are on the twitters at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades you can also on the website support us there for a reoccurring monthly subscription much like you would on patreon or you can support the show over on buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. And if Doc was here, she would say, never surrender, because she's not a quitter. So... All right. So thank you for spending some of your precious uh, Halloween time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next time where we indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom, and telling Seska 101 ways why she is wrong. Uh, and Gemma is now my favorite person again because she loves Elvis. Oh. <laughs> so with that, we will end the broadcast. Don't be strangers. Reach out and talk to us.